Hello, this is Father Michael Eads from the Toronto Oratory, and you're listening to Lexio et Oratio, a short spiritual reading podcast followed by a reflection. The Life of St. Philip Neri by Antonio Galonio, section 16, chapter 185. When they opened the upper part of his chest, they found to their astonishment that two of the so-called floating ribs on the left side were broken. These were the fourth and fifth. The fracture was visible at the front of the chest, where the ribs should have joined onto the cartilage. Both ribs were raised up, as everyone agreed, by the thickness of a fist or even more. Who could fail to acknowledge that this was God's way of ensuring that his heart was not damaged when it palpitated? He had not previously suffered any fall, blow, or other violence which could have caused the fracture. Neither did it cause him any pain in the slightest, nor did any inflammation arise from it. Contrary to all medical experience, he lived with this fracture of the ribs for more than 50 years, without feeling any pain from it. It was originated by the force of divine love and the excessive ardor of his heart, which affected him particularly during contemplation. The doctors debated this for a long time and pondered over it, eventually coming to an agreed opinion, which they wrote down and affirmed on oath, that this fracture of the ribs had happened to our Holy Father through divine intervention. They suggested several reasons for this. Firstly, it was so that he should not immediately be killed by the overwhelming force of divine heat during times of contemplation. Secondly, so that when his heart expanded under the most ardent heat of love, he would find sufficient space. Thirdly, so that his lungs could more easily dilate more than usual. And lastly, so that the lungs could take advantage of the greater space available to bring more air to the heart, so that there would be sufficient breath to keep it cool. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Angels of God, our guardians, dear, to whom God's love commits us here, ever this day be at our side, to light and guard, to rule and guide. Amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus, teacher of teachers, have mercy on us. St. Philip Neri, gentle God of youth, heart of fire, vessel of the Holy Ghost, Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we have to keep a lot of facts about St. Philip's life in our minds when we read tonight's story. First of all, there was the strange phenomenon that people encountered that St. Philip could not keep his cassock buttoned up that he had this excessive bodily heat, that even in the dead of winter when all these young men were out in jackets, 
They were cold. St. Philip would go out without any jacket, anything on, with his cassock buttoned, and he would joke and say, it's a shame that old men who are normally cold can go out like this, and you young guys have to wear jackets. And he would ask the Pope that when he heard confessions in the church, that he didn't have to wear the normal vestments. He didn't have to wear the surplice over his cassock. He asked if he, there was a little, he could not wear it. For it, was, it was burdensome with the heat. So that's the first, this heat from Philip's body. Second fact, we've read about people who had sexual temptations. They were troubled. They would be coming to St. Philip and he would take their head and push it to his, to his chest. And people felt immediate relief from the temptation. There was something about the Philip's heart area which would infuse divine love into people. Third factor. People would sometimes hear when Philip was saying mass something very strange. Like a hammer was hitting in the church. There was like this booming sound. And people began to realize it was coming from St. Philip. It was coming from his, from within him. They would go around and what's going on and investigate. And sometimes when Philip was praying, people would hear this. Okay. And these were observed phenomena and people didn't quite know what to make of it. And two of his closest spiritual sons, one an oratorian, Pietro Consolini, we've talked about him a bit, read about him, his Benjamin, the vocation that came late in his life, and then his good friend, the relative of St. Charles Borromeo, the Cardinal Federico Borromeo. Later on, the Archbishop of Milan, one of the remarkable promoters of, of church art. And they inquired from St. Philip. They pressed him. What was going on? What happened? Where, what was this thing about his heart? And he told them about what happened in 1544 when the Holy Spirit came down upon him in a ball of fire and lodged in his mouth and went into his heart. And he began to feel this incredible heat. His heart expanded. He felt his ribs break and he told them what happened. And so the doctors began to inquire where they saw this strange thing about Philip's body and they began to try to figure out what was going on and Consolini broke the secret. He hadn't told anyone, but now he began to tell people what Philip had told him. And the doctors began to think and they came up with the explanation we read about tonight, that there are these four reasons rooted in their understanding of the heart, of the physicality of the chest, that a little dome had formed over Philip's heart. Okay? And that it was a sign that God wanted Philip to give free expression to his love. The heart is the symbol of love. Ask any child what I heart you means. And they know it means I love you. When Christ wanted to show his love for us, when he wanted to show that the way to the love of God was open to us, that there was room in the love of God for all of us, when he was dead on the cross, the soldier opened his side with the lance, piercing his heart, and therefore there came out blood and water. The love of Christ 
is open to us. It's available to us. And the symbol of that love is the heart of Christ. And when Christ wanted to raise up a priest in the 16th century to be the apostle of Rome, to call the church back to his love, to his obedience, he gave him this miraculous heart condition. It's later, it's been called the stigmata of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit transformed physically Philip's heart as a sign of how he had spiritually transformed him. To give him the love that was necessary to work in Rome at the time of the Reformation, after the Reformation, to help keep Rome Catholic. So what is at the heart of reform in the church? What's at the heart, the center, the foundation of true reform? Charity, divine love. And where does charity come from? Romans 5, 5, the love of God, the charity of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit has been given to us. Charity is a gift. Charity is a supernatural love of God that we cannot generate on our own. It's got to be given to us. We have to ask for this. And it comes from the Holy Spirit being given to us. The Holy Spirit who is the love that proceeds from the Father and the Son the love that unites the Father and the Son, what the Holy Spirit is in eternity. When he's sent into our hearts, he brings a likeness of his own person. He brings that created charity into our hearts so that we can prefer Jesus Christ to everything else and that we can want and accept that other people are meant for heaven, that other people are meant to have a relationship with God. And so we ask tonight for St. Philip to pray for us, that we will want some of his burning love to be in our hearts. We want some of his burning love for the church, for the bride of Christ, for Christ himself to come into our hearts. For the only way we will do any good for the church and for other people is if charity is alive in our hearts. I have faith that moves mountains, St. Paul says. If I am full of all prophecy and I have not love, I am nothing but a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.